presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Really great being with everyone. Big welcome to anybody who's here for the first time. And as I mentioned earlier, so these Sunday morning programs, you can go to our um, YouTube live stream channel, or you can come here on our Zoom, or you can come into the building here in Minneapolis for these Sunday morning programs. And I thought for the month of April that we could look at the topic of Samadhi, which usually gets translated as concentration. Better translation would be that stability and unification of the heart and mind, the coming together of the heart and mind around here in the present moment. Non-distractedness. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the guided sit, the most important thing to take forward in your own practice, because this often relates more specifically to our daily sitting practice, even if that's five or 10 minutes, you know, ideally 20 to 40 minutes, but five minutes a day is definitely significantly better than no minutes a day. There, There will be real learning even in five minutes a day. And then in particular, if you can find some days of the week where it can be longer. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the set, this is a pleasant abiding here and now. That's an important pointing out instruction. Because when you're cultivating your practice, you have your 10 minutes or your 30 minutes, and it feels like hell. It's not that you did wrong, you know, because sometimes... It's really unpleasant. But even so, even if there's just a lot of emotional turmoil in our mind, in our heart, in our body, and we sit, we put our time in, go to our chair, go to our cushion, set the timer, put it out of reach so we don't check on the time. We set the time based on what we think we actually have that day at that time. And then we just trust, come hell or high water, I'm going to just stay in this posture for the time that I determined. And um, so even if there's a lot of turmoil, you might notice how good it is to be stably present, even with a lot of mental or emotional pain. So it doesn't mean that there isn't something unpleasant going on being felt. It just means there's something pleasurable about (laughs) non-running, non-reactivity, non-resistance. And that's what we want to learn to notice because that creates the, um, the very necessary feedback mechanism as our practice unfolds over decades. There is an inner pleasure to being present. And if we wrongly think that it's kind of like taking bitter medicine and I just have to bear it, we'll get off track. The kind of effort that we end up using in our practice will be not skillful, not helpful. So we need to, right at the beginning, even if you're here for the first time or sitting for the first time, we want to be curious about what it feels like to be present. What is the feeling tone of being present. 
of having that, even if only for a moment, that stability of present moment awareness. And samadhi, you know, and a lot of the time I won't translate that word samadhi, because as I mentioned, almost always in texts, we see it translated as the, with the word concentration, which really isn't a good English equivalent. Often the teachers I teach with and practice with, you know, they might say unification or stability of present moment awareness. But it's important to understand that samadhi initially is all about the renunciation of distractedness. That's like a really good way, like the consequence, like there's a price to pay for that pleasure of samadhi. And the price we pay is a willingness, a conscious willingness to put aside distractedness. And so we can even remind ourselves of this at the beginning of a set. You know, we're settling into our posture. Maybe you like to take a couple of longer, deeper breaths at the beginning of your set. And then it's good to clarify your intention, like to gather, to unify, to stabilize present moment awareness. And once again, to discover for yourself, hey, this feels really good. This feels really right. This is healing in, the, in all the right ways, right? So that clarification can be really good. And to note, like, valuing, being loyal to samadhi means this natural dis, uh, trust for distractedness. Believing that I got to think about this now. I've got to do this with my mind. I have to solve this problem. I have to fantasize about this person. I have to regurgitate some insult or humiliation that happened a day ago. Those thoughts will arise for us, of course, and they will feel compelling, like, oh, I, that impulse, I really do need to apply my mind to that. And being loyal, being committed to this training means that, no, no, I'm really... I'm really interested in learning that I can put aside this distractedness, this impulse to take that off-ramp or this off-ramp, because there are going to be endless off-ramps, you know, directions, impulses, tendencies where our thinking can take the mind and in a way encapsul encapsulate the attention so that there's no awareness that this is here and now. There's no present moment awareness because the mind is lost in that content. Being lost simply means that there's no wisdom that understands this is just thought being known here and now in the present moment. So when we don't have that space that understands these are just thoughts being known here and now, then we're lost in thought. So then that really is you know telling because most of the day we don't have that wise space that understands, oh yeah, I'm just thinking, just thoughts being known. We're lost in thoughts. We're not aware when we're thinking that these thoughts are like this now. Thinking is like this now. We're not aware. We've lost that dimension, that wise dimension that understands, ah, this is just being known. 
It's just mental activity, thought, feeling, being known, being felt. So when you ask yourself, when you're confused, what is samadhi? Oh yeah, it's a conscious and wise giving up of distractedness. You don't even need to know what's left. Just notice those off-ramps and notice that there's a choice. I can follow that content into the place where the mind gets absorbed in the thinking so that it's unaware that it's thinking. Or I can just be aware of the impulse to go there. Being aware of the impulse is to not go there. (laughs) To forget that it's just an impulse, it's just an off-ramp, is to go there, right? So we're just, we need to, like, in the present moment, so much of our experience initially in the present moment is this endless, this awareness of endless off-ramps showing up. This impulse, that impulse, you know, for the mind to go there. Even the impulse to think about my meditation practice is an off-ramp. Masquerading as an (laughs) on-ramp. But it isn't an on-ramp. I mean, it can be. We can use thoughts skillfully, like I mentioned at the beginning of the guided meditation, to bring thoughts that direct the attention to the present moment are wise thoughts, useful thoughts, and thoughts that lead the mind to mental proliferation, being lost in thought, or what we would call unskillful thoughts, not helpful thoughts. One sort of training uh, exercise that I really like from Ajahn Brahm, uh, a lot of people know him, he's quite well known in the Dharma circles. He's uh, originally from England. He's been a monk now for many decades. He's the uh, abbot of a monastery in Australia in the Achancha lineage of the Thai forest tradition and a really popular teacher. And uh, I'm assuming he still uses this basic training mechanism. It's, it's sort of quite demanding, but really nice uh, to sort of use generally. Don't, don't uh, feel like you're a failure. This is the trouble with any sort of training mechanism. We can, if it's our habit, we can use it to beat ourselves up like, oh, I, I'm terrible at this. Why even bother? And that doesn't do anybody any good. So don't use this to give up. But what he would recommend, um, see, what is the name, name of his book? Mindfulness, Bliss and Beyond, I think is one, uh, the name of his book on samadhi, on sort of deepening your skill, your capacity for samadhi. Mindfulness, Bliss and Beyond by Ajahn Brahm. And uh, I think it's right there at the beginning of that book where he outlines this basic training mechanism. So initially in your first months and years and decades and lifetimes of your practice, you're, you're not focusing your attention on a meditation object and you're not afraid of using thought. You're just trying to sustain present moment awareness and you're more than invited to use thought to help the mind sustain present moment awareness. And you know, it's thought can be a useful servant in keeping the mind interested in the present moment. 
you know, and we need this, like even when we're a quite skilled meditator, there are many, many moments when a skillful thought can be quite useful in deflecting a tendency to take an off-ramp. And so this is where like the mind steps in as the Dharma teacher and says something, kind of adds a thought to the stream of activity that has impact. The thought has impact on how the mind is showing up in the moment. And it gives it sort of, it can, if it's a skillful thought, it will give it immunity from distractedness for another moment or two. And I mentioned some of those thoughts. Sometimes those thoughts are in the form of a question, like, what's the mind knowing now? What's being known? What's the feeling here? What's here but not being clearly recognized? What's here in the moment but not being acknowledged? Is the mind greedy? Is there fear? Is this a pleasant experience being known or relatively unpleasant? What's the feeling tone? Or, so those are questions, but sometimes it could be just that basic instruction to help the mind simplify the present moment reality as something being known. So just a phrase like, this is being known. Can it be okay that it's just, this moment is just this experience being known? So just that little wisdom teaching, every moment is simply something, an experience that is being known. Can I reduce this experience as something this experience is being known? Whatever it is that's predominant, that experience is just an experience being known here and now in the mind. And that radical simplification can be a nice little phrase to drop in. And so when we have this array, this capacity for some skillful thought, then we can go about seeing if we can sustain present moment awareness. And this works both in daily life, but also especially when our conditions are more simple, like we're doing our daily 30-minute sit, and we've got a nice quiet room, the cell phone is all the way off, except maybe if we're using it for a timer. The pets know to leave you alone. The people you live with know to leave you alone. You're sitting in a way that actually works for your body, that supports alertness and relaxation. That will be different for each of us, of course. We've selected a time that we're pretty sure, maybe even 100% sure that we can handle so that we don't break the resolve. So if I set the clock, my phone for 20 minutes, I don't give up after 15. It's better to set it for 15 and feel the success for having stayed and gradually increase the time when you have that time or when you have the capacity to be relatively still, relatively upright, relatively relaxed, right in the middle of your life for that 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes, or 90 minutes, whatever you can do. And like I said, even if you're really busy, you've got kids you're raising or something like that, and you only get five or 10 minutes in, then try once a week, 
negotiate with the people in your lives and try once a week to get a longer sit or come to the center or some center near you and sit because it's easier to sit for longer times when you're with a community. And most of you know that Common Ground, we have many online sits and we have a sit in the building every day. So you can always, even if you live far away, of course, join one of our online sits. Some are in the evening, but there's a morning sit online every single day. And if not at Common Ground, there are others that are being offered that you can tune into and get some community support. And that first step then is just, can I sustain present moment awareness? And, you know, the Buddhist instruction, Mark's encouragement is to really be able to sustain present moment awareness, I have to directly be sensing its value, the pleasure, the value of it. If we're not sensing the value and the pleasure of it, we'll lose enthusiasm. We need that feedback mechanism. So that's something you can do at the end of your sits, even if it's just a short sit. So there the timer went off, you've shut it off. You can get really nice bell sounds uh, at Insight Meditation Timer. It's a free app. So if you don't, you know, that way you don't have to use just a normal alarm when your timer goes off. You can have a nice bell sound. And uh, and then when it goes off, you know, and maybe you stretch a little, but before you get up, you just ask yourself, how did that seem? How was that? What's, what was that? Like, what did that set in motion? Having done that, what has been, what seeds have been planted? What can I sense? Because it might have been a hellish set. There might have been a lot of painful emotions or painful physical sensations or disturbing sounds in the room or any number of things. And the mind might have reacted to that difficult experience. And we just did our best. But even if it was a really unpleasant sit, we should be able to sense that was good to do. Still, even though it was really hard, that was good. Good medicine. I'm glad I sat. This feels good to do. This feels as if some good seeds were planted, and that feels good. That's the sense we, that's the takeaway sense from our formal practice. And that recognizing that in your own heart and mind, acknowledging that really builds that feedback. And I just want to continue uh, to talk about this simple training because some of you can do that relatively well. You can sustain present moment awareness. Ideally, you know, we'd be like, like to sustain it for a whole hour, you know, but obviously the force or the momentum of distractedness is quite formidable and we need to be quite forgiving and patient and have a, a pretty evolved sense of humor about the habits of our mind. Otherwise, we're going to give up. And this is where community comes in because mostly, you know, one of the great things about having good friends that also are interested in this Buddhist awareness practice is we can laugh together about the tenaciousness of our habits of distraction because it's, it's impressive 
the mind, the conditioned or habit-based mind, it really has no shame. Like one of the things we see when we do get a little continuity of that sustained present moment awareness, maybe we're still using thoughts a lot to kind of keep the mind present. But we'll see that it's sort of like the habit-based mind, The the it has a real coherence as if there's an evil one inside of me that just wants to be distracted. It's just nature, you know, it's not personal, these habits of distractedness, but it feels personal at times. And it's as if they're, they'll throw anything into the mind, any provocative thought, seductive thought, disturbing thought, outrageous thought, anything that sticks, anything that will get the mind's identification, its attachment, and seduce the mind into distractedness. So really, over time, we build this capacity to not be fooled by the production studio of our own mind. That That is, for some neurotic reason, it's not personal, but for some neurotic reason, seems dependent on distractedness and afraid of sustained present moment awareness. Nothing defines the habit, the neurotic habits, more than getting clear about this strange habit to want to be distracted and this strange fear around non-distraction. Like, why would the heart be afraid of being present? Because it's not like being present changes anything. It's just the awareness has this stable awareness that it's like this now. It's not making things the way they, they are. It's just being in alignment with the way things are. So it doesn't make the world dangerous to be aware that it's like this. The world is the way it is. Nature is nature. It's just that the knowing mind is coming, learning how to come into alignment with that stability, that sustained present moment awareness. And then what Ajahn Brahm recommends next then, if you get some momentum, you, you develop some capacity to sustain present moment awareness, then practice doing it without being reliant on thought. Like that the mind's wisdom, intuition, silent wisdom and intuition, knows how to keep the present moment in mind. So it's basically learning to sustain present moment awareness with more subtle wisdom. When we use a thought, it's still wisdom, but wisdom is pulling out a grosser intervention. It's saying to itself, hey, Mark, this is just being known, (laughs) you know, or saying to itself, hey, Mark, what's the mind knowing now? Right? So it's a kind of gross intervention that we should use when that gross intervention is needed. But when you feel like you have some confidence and some momentum, then just remind yourself in the middle of a sit or at the beginning of the sit, okay, sustained, I'm going to really be loyal to this sustained, silent, present moment awareness. Silent in the sense like, not dependent on thought. And don't expect it, of course, to be perfect initially, 
but over time you really see that that I don't need like even when the mind veers off and looks at an off ramp and but you notice that the awareness is right there. It's not confused. I don't need a thought to direct the attention back to the present moment because this is being aware of the present moment. So there's less need for thoughts to redirect attention because the sustained, silent, present moment awareness isn't wavering. It isn't losing that discerning thread, which understands this is being known. It's like this now. It's just something being known. Something being known. And this is quite empowering. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of energy that can arise when we get some continuity, a lot of brightness that balances the tranquility that arises. And that's really like how we can characterize the pleasure. It's that coming together of bright energy, alertness, clarity, with a resonant ease and tranquility and contentedness. It's such a healing of the heart and mind to be both bright joyful and easeful and content. And they're not contradictions to each other. They really work well together, that the calm and the brightness. They really are a beautiful marriage. Bright, tranquil, stable. This is like how we can characterize samadhi. It's both bright and stable in the sense of being calm or tranquil doesn't need to go anywhere, but simply sees what's coming and going here and now. Doesn't need, you know, we take those off-ramps to think about this, to think about that, to plan, to worry, to imagine. We do that because the mind is looking for pleasure. But when we feel the pleasure of being present, it really gives that immunity to distractedness, to taking these off-ramps. That's why, even though the word dispassion may not work for you initially because of the connotations that word has, of maybe being flat or disconnected, dispassion, the disenchantment, contentedness, non-attachment, it's really because the mind, wisdom understands being present in this bright, settled, calm way. It's like being in the knowing. It's like everything is happening here. It was always neurotic and wrong to think the mind had to go somewhere. The knowing mind doesn't have to go anywhere because everything's coming here. Everything is in the mind already. We just, the mind neurotically thinks I need to go somewhere, like go to the content of my thoughts. I in order to think something, I have to go somewhere. But see, that's a neurotic misunderstanding. And what what we learn, what wisdom learns is nowhere to go. No one having to go anywhere. And that, that sort of, that would, is what provides that profound sense of stability and tranquility and contentment. And the world is still coming and going, thoughts, emotions, sounds. But the mind isn't confused by all that activity. 
So for the first part, you know, we're really renouncing, letting go of distractedness. Then we're letting go of the dependence on thought, which is a real refinement of that present moment awareness. And then we can even let go, like the third refinement in our samadhi practice, you know, stabilizing present moment awareness, unifying the mind. The third refinement, I'll talk more about this next week, is letting go of the need or the letting go of the attachment and the fixation and any dependence on the diversity of experience. And there's a couple ways that we do this. Um, the first way that we can train our mind, so now we, we have this capacity to have sustained present moment awareness for some continuity, some time, and we're able to do it without thought, so a silent, sustained present moment awareness. Then the next thing you can start to play with in a light way is like, okay, can the mind, can the knowing mind, just keep in mind something very ordinary? So instead of being attentive to whatever's predominant in the moment, maybe I'll just be aware of something quite ordinary, like breathing in, the sensations of breathing in, that simple rising of the abdominal wall and the falling, the coming in of the abdominal wall with the in and out breath or the simple experience of touching as that flow of air touches the skin around the nostrils and then touches it as it goes out. That's a pretty ordinary experience. After a few times, it's pretty ordinary. But what is extraordinary is for the awareness to not feel obliged to be knowing the diversity of experience to basically let go of the world of diversity and to know only one thing. You know how it is. It's There is a real learning to do just one thing. So when you're washing the dishes, what is it like to wash to the dishes and to only the mind, only knowing the warmth of the water, the movement of the hands, the sound of the water sloshing around, just to know that one experience, it's profound because the mind then in those simple moments, it has to let go of its attentiveness and its dependence on the breadth, the diversity of the present moment. It's not like we want that one-pointed awareness forever, but we want to expose the dependence on what's predominant and the dependence on the diversity of experience. And the way we expose that attachment, that dependence, is we say, let's pick up this training for this half an hour, and I'm just gonna be aware of the breath. Because then, it's only then when we pick up that training that we see how much the mind wants to think this thought, or how much the mind wants to go to that sound and think about why is that sound there. But we'll notice those more subtle off-ramps because we have this more exclusive object of awareness. And I mentioned briefly at the end of the sit today, like another way to do this third training where we're dropping the diversity 
the dependence on the diversity of experience and the tendency of our attention to go to whatever's predominant instead of just staying with something ordinary. Um, another way to do that is to ask the mind, like I did at the end of the guided sit today, to notice the knowing. Not what's being known, which is the diversity of experience, but that it is being known. And you see, that's another way. It's not easy to keep in mind that this experience is being known, not what is being known, but that it's being known. And now this next experience is being known. And one experience after another is being known. And to keep is being known, is being like really noticing, keeping that in mind, that it's being known, that it's being known. Because that's another way to notice that the mind can be free of any dependence on the objects of experience. And again, it's there's nothing wrong with really connecting and knowing an object and being intimate with that object. Just like if you're using an exclusive meditation object like the breath, to, the touching at the nostrils, or feeling the whole body, or some people, you know, use a mantra or gaze at a, an image any number, you know, rituals, and it can be very uh, powerful training to have an exclusive and to see how the mind can drop everything else in the world and just keep this one experience in mind and sustain awareness with that. And, the, and the, that last way is just to realize it's being known. It's being known. It's being known. And this is this three-part training from Ajahn Brahm that you can play with these next weeks. And I'm going to keep talking over the next uh, four weeks at least through, uh, through April, just talking about the training of unifying present moment awareness, the unification of present moment awareness and the pleasure of that. And this really speaks, as I mentioned, to the time that we have to sit down and do formal meditation we really want to understand it as this unifying of the heart and mind, the coming together. And it's a way of strengthening. It's a, a capacity or a power we all have the potential for. No matter how scattered or distracted you tend to think of yourself as being, everyone has the capacity to develop this muscle, this mental muscle to be present. And it's sort of the very foundation of all competence, including spiritual competence, which in Buddhism we would say means seeing things as they are. So it helps with seeing things as they are and the deepening of insight, but it, it helps with everything. Like hard to imagine being a good parent without the capacity to be present or being a good friend or being a good lover or being a good anything. And being present means this stability of present moment awareness that's both bright, alert, has joy, and relaxed, peaceful, content, tranquil. And how they need each other, the brightness needs the grounding of calm. And the calmness needs the clarity and the sharpness of that wisdom and alertness. The image that's used in the, in the tradition is a honed and heavy axe. 
and the the weight of the head of the axe is this um, is the simile or is the metaphor for the some other for the concentration or the calm and tranquility, and the sharpness is for this brightness, this alertness of mind, this clarity of mind, and this is what wise samadhi is all about. We say the continuity of mindfulness is the proximate cause for samadhi. And the proximate cause for wisdom and the deepening of insight is the samadhi. So the continuity of mindfulness allows for that stability of present moment awareness. And that stability, that samadhi, allows for the deepening of wisdom. And of course, the deepening of wisdom a lot makes it easier to have the continuity of present moment awareness. And that strengthens the samadhi and that deepens the wisdom and that allows for more continuity of present moment awareness. And that is the engine of awakening. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website www.commongroundmeditation.org.